This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good morning, Craig. How are you doing? Good morning, mate. I'm good. How are you? Very well, thanks. Let's start with the latest from the markets. And they are down today, looking at the figures across the UK and Europe, around about 1% to 1.5%. What's brought that on? So, I mean, I think there's just ongoing jitters in the markets. Interest rates, inflation is very much at the core of all of this at the moment. We saw a decent start to the week, but I think on a day when we have a US bank holiday, so we've got lower participation in the markets and uh, and we're coming off the back of a relatively negative week. I think one day of uh, of a rebound is not something to get too excited about. And I think today is is evidence of that. Ultimately, this all just circles back to what we're seeing uh, still in the bond markets. We're seeing yields rising. We're seeing tighter monetary policy ultimately uh, being priced in from various central banks, from the Fed, where we're expecting, where the markets are pricing in basically four rate hikes now this year, three to four rate hikes this year. The Bank of England, um, four rate hikes this year. Even the ECB, uh, the, the idea that we could see a, a, a rate hike this year as well. We're all, we seem to be kind of continuing to move in that direction. And the question kind of becomes, for one, how much can these, how long can these jitters last? And again, I think I've talked about this in in recent podcasts in, uh, over the last couple of weeks. I always don't want to read too heavily into January. It feels always the January blues um, are really misguided. Um, and can sometimes give kind of a false sense of direction. I think over the last 10 years, if I'm not mistaken, uh, around half of the Januaries have been negative months, but only two year, two of the years have actually been uh, ended negatively, and one of them was uh, only ever so slightly less than 1% negative on the year in the S&P 500. So that kind of gives you an indication um, of, how, uh, of how these things play out and maybe how we can sometimes read far too much into the, the January blues, as I keep saying. Um, of course, this year, there is something more significant that it's being built upon. Uh, being this uh, high inflation uh, and raising interest rate expectations. And interestingly, um, I think it was uh, JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon suggesting that there could be up to seven rate hikes this year from the Federal Reserve, which would suggest far from that we're kind of peak inflation interest rate fear, which I, th- I feel like we are uh, at this very moment in time. Um, but that actually there's a lot more uh, there's a lot more to come. So I think I think that's going to be a really interesting one to see how that unfolds. And quite clearly, we are still seeing that fear um, reverberate through the markets. Now the question becomes: How long until people start to become a bit more relaxed about inflation? Until people start to view that we're around the peak levels of inflation, and therefore we start to see expectations maybe starting to be slightly pared back and fear playing less of a role. That's going to be one which we're going to have to keep a close eye on. But right now, as we've seen today, um, we are seeing negativity across the board again and wall street is going to rejoin us this week uh today and um they're going to start on a negative footing with the nasdaq seemingly bearing the brunt once more so interest rate fear uh inflation fear is still very much uh here in the markets and seven rate rises would be well around about two percent at least wouldn't it uh i suppose if you did a quarter percent each time be one three quarter percent but yeah uh, it's quite eye-watering when you consider where we are now and we could get up to a figure of something around 2.5%. We haven't seen those numbers for almost a generation. 
Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who've never really experienced a proper tightening cycle, and we're not talking one, two, maybe three quarter point interest rate hikes, but something far more significant than that, getting well above uh, 1%, even as you say, above 2%. So there's going to be a lot of people who have not experienced this, and I think the the, the interesting thing is going to be what kind of impact it does have on the markets, because for so long now, the, the talk has been, yes, the economy is performing well, but it is the movements that we're seeing in the markets, particularly in the, the more your riskier assets, is that being driven purely by expectations or is it being driven by excessive liquidity in the market, enormous balance sheets from the central banks and low interest rates? Well, if we're looking at interest rates at 2% at the end of this year and we're looking at a Federal Reserve and maybe other central banks that are reducing their balance sheet in tandem with that, then I guess that theory is going to be very much put to the test. Um, the question is, when are we going to reach peak inflation? And that's where the discussions, um, where that's where the discussions are being had, and that's where the views, uh, of course, do vary. Uh, I think we need to see some signs of at least it plateauing for people to become a little bit more relaxed in these markets. And the fact that this is happening at this time of year, like I say, I do think may be uh, exacerbating things somewhat. But as long as yields continue to rise and inflation continues to be prevalent in the markets, it's probably not going away. So talking of uh, the rising cost of living, we've had uh, the latest UK jobs report, which says that, this is from the ONS, by the way, the average uh, pay rise is failing to keep up with the rise in the cost of living. While wages rose in the year to November, they didn't rise as fast as prices over the same period, which meant that average weekly earnings uh, has fallen for the first time since July 2020, which uh, perhaps goes against what some people imagine is happening in the jobs market. Regular pay, it says, excluding bonuses and adjusted for inflation, fell 1% in November compared to the same month in the previous year. So are you surprised by these figures? Yeah, I mean, for one, I mean, it did come down a little bit from last month. Um, so that's going to that's gonna be an interesting thing to see how that develops. Obviously, these are still relatively high by what we've seen for some time. But at the same time, um, when you're seeing price pressures at the levels that we are, and we're seeing so much talk about the tightness of the labour market, about the fluidity in the labour market, a lot of people moving jobs, unemployment being only um, three-tenths of 1% above where it was before the pandemic, um, and other measures of labour market tightness seemingly also back towards kind of pre-pandemic levels now, then you would expect uh, that we would be seeing maybe more wage growth. And perhaps we still will. Um, but at this moment in time, it seems like you say it is lagging behind. And ultimately, that's going to have a detrimental impact on the economy because if people are on average worse off year on year, and this is coming at a time when we're about to see national insurance um, creep higher, uh, then I think uh, in March, then this is going to take its toll ultimately on people's pockets. And you can see already that consumer behaviour for some time now we're here in the UK has been a little bit more restrained than you would have expected considering the extra cash that people uh, on aggregate do have in their accounts uh, as a result of what's happened over the course of the last two years. So maybe it's in anticipation of this squeeze that we are seeing this kind of behaviour and perhaps even this additional squeeze of uh, of effectively a negative real wage growth is going to further exacerbate the problem and could be a drag on the economy this year. Moving on, Craig, let's talk about the Bank of Japan, which has revised its inflation forecast upwards and uh, opting yet again to keep interest rates lower. I mean, you talked about earlier a generation 
who haven't experienced high interest rates. I mean, you have to go back to, you know, 25 years ago, perhaps, when we saw reasonably high rates in Japan. It's quite an extraordinary story there, isn't it? Yeah, and there's been more speculation recently that the Bank of Japan may actually start to guide the markets towards the possibility of raising interest rates. Now, any rise in interest rates in the Japan is going to be so marginal, it's going to barely matter ultimately. It's kind of the direction of travel ultimately um, that, that we're talking about because while we are seeing high levels of inflation in Europe at 5%, in the UK and in the US as well, which is higher again, in Japan, they're still very low, but they're just not as low as they typically are, and they are um, closer towards their targets, um, but still missing. And as we saw today, the Bank of Japan did stand by its view that the ultra-accommodative monetary policy that we've seen for many years is still warranted and will be for some time. They did slightly revise higher their um, their forecasts for inflation and for growth in the next fiscal year but like i say we are still talking about forecasts that are still well below their two percent target so for example the year um the the, the inflation forecast for the year beginning april uh, is revised up from 0.9 percent to 1.1 percent um and for the year after that from one percent to one point one percent, so still well below target. So it's still very premature to be talking about the prospect of um, of Japan seeing higher interest rates than the minus point one percent that it currently um, that it that it's currently had for many many years. Um, but the idea that we are seeing commodity driven inflation that they expect to become broader is maybe a sign that um, this is going to have to be one to watch because. As we've seen with central banks around the world, and at times you can say that Japan appears kind of immune from these things, they've generally been behind the curve uh, in terms of how broad inflation is becoming, how permanent it's going to be, and how high it's going to get. Perhaps there is a sign that we are going to be seeing similar signs from Japan, but I still think it's extremely premature to be talking about the prospect of interest rates rising um, at this point in time because inflation is still so far, or inflation forecasts are still so far below target. Let's talk about oil, Craig, now, which uh, continues to rise. Uh, Brent crude up to around about 87.5 WTI, just under 85 as we speak. Now, those numbers we haven't seen for many years. I think you said to me off air, seven years since we've seen oil prices like that what is behind these continuing rises so the main thing behind these rises well i say main thing there's there's multiple factors behind the rises i think there's there's two strong contributing factors is that demand is stronger than maybe many will have anticipated previously and stronger than what we're seeing matched by supply which brings in the second um uh the second aspect here of what's driving these prices which is that Arguably, OPEC Plus is raising production too slowly, but more importantly than that, they are struggling to keep up with the levels which they are targeting anyway. So we are seeing massive shortfalls in terms of what they are actually achieving versus the 400,000 barrels per day, which they are committing to as an increase per day each month. And it's those shortfalls which I think are the main driver here. Now, those shortfalls are being driven by um, a multitude of factors. There is temporary supply disruptions like we're seeing in Libya. There's uh, supply disruptions like we're seeing, for example, because of the tensions and the frictions and the unrest in Kazakhstan, which is now um, 
fully back and it's producing the levels that we were seeing before the unrest but then it's also being driven in other countries by uh, by underinvestment uh, over over a period of time which means that it's not a choice that they are not producing levels that their quota le- they're not producing their quota levels it's it's very much an inability and that's the more concerning thing by the markets because the, from a market perspective therefore you're seeing very strong demand stronger demand arguably than anticipated and lower levels of supply to an extent that just simply ramping them up isn't an option which begs the question and i think this is again contributing to the price if the group is struggling to fulfill its obligations under these increases on a monthly basis and has been for some time then does it matter that they've agreed to raise in, raise production by 400,000 barrels per day next month what proportion of that can we actually expect to see as an increase and again in march april may june july all of these months when we're expecting 400,000 barrels a day, how many are we actually going to see? And if we continue to see these shortfalls and potentially more severe shortfalls from their targets because they're trying to get capacity back, then where can we see oil prices? We've seen some um, some forecasts. I think it's JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs that we could see $150 barrel oil. I mean, that would be astounding and that would be a massive pressure uh, on the global economy at a time uh, like we are seeing now when we've already got high energy prices and soaring inflation. And of course, that would then contribute also to that uh, soaring uh, well above target, prolonged, widespread inflation, even if it's driven by what is considered generally a uh, a temporary factor, um, then perhaps we could be, um, we could see that become more uh, more widespread and more sustained and create an even bigger headache for households, for businesses and for central banks. Finally, before we say goodbye, Craig, what should we look out for for the rest of this part of the week as we approach the middle of uh, this week? So, I mean, I think I think the key thing now is going to be earnings season. So there was a bit of a break yesterday, of course, for the US bank holiday. So we've got earnings season getting underway again today. Of course, we started things last week with things like JP Morgan, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, and then we move into the kind of Goldman Sachs area today. Um, so we start, we kind of always kick off earnings season with the financials. It seems to have been a bit of a mixed bag as far as the very start late last week was concerned. So we'll see if that kind of continues into the early stages of this week so i think that's really the standout one um apart from that it's relatively slow there's a big focus on uk data this week so we can see like say we had the uk jobs report today so tomorrow morning we've got the uk inflation data which of course is going to be really significant again given the um the amount of focus that we're seeing uh, on these areas um and then we've got some kind of lower level data as well from the us building permits housing starts um uh, as well uh, as well tomorrow but really i think the focus now has to be is going to be continue to be inflation and interest rates and what we're seeing in bond markets and the knock-on effects that that's going to have elsewhere and then earning season ultimately i think what investors are craving right now i think is a, a sense that while there are downside risks to the economy while inflation is high and interest rates are rising companies are still performing well because that's the things that's going to that's going to keep these markets stock markets well supported if we start to see that high inflation high interest rates are having significant detrimental impacts on um economic expectations and on company forecasts for their own performances this year then you could see the pain in in financial markets become more significant i think investors need to see a really strong fourth quarter earnings season with lots of optimism going into this year okay craig thanks very much for joining us 
this morning and we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.